What's up, folks? This is Wise, and you're now tuned into the POC Report podcast. Keep up with the show by using the hashtag POC Report. On this episode, we interview Quana, the producer of the Carefree Black Girl podcast. The Carefree Black Girl podcast is one of the 27 podcasts on the Indie Creative Network, a platform whose mission is to change the narrative of the black and brown diaspora. Be sure to follow the Carefree Black Girl podcast on Twitter at CFBGpod and use the hashtag CarefreeBlackGirl to stay in tune with their conversation. Again, this is Wise, and I'll see you after the break. Carefree black girl, right? Yes. You let's talk about this. Yes, you have this brand. You have this brand, which has now become a podcast where you are detailing what? Like what do y'all talk about on the podcast? What was the what's the what's the idea of it? The podcast is a sit down of four women where they discuss everything carefree black and girl. So mm-hmm. that's black culture, that's women empowerment, that's the arts, um, it's fashion, it's just everything. Um, we have the host Dodge. Ivy, Brianna, Danielle, and mm-hmm. I.S. Jones. I.S. discusses news and culture. Ivy, she does entertainment. Mm-hmm. Da, she does the fashion. And Brianna, she focuses on health, wellness, and beauty. All right, so that sounds dope. You know, it, it makes sense. It sounds yeah. like something that people would really want to consume or whatever, especially in the time periods that we are right now, right? Right, yeah. But how, like... How does Carefree Black Girl kind of like relate to you? Like, how did how did you get involved with Carefree Black Girl? Or where did it even come from? Okay, so for my perspective, um, back in 2012 when I first moved to New York, it was like my first project, and somebody was like, "Oh, you're putting out a full project, the first like your first time rapping." And they were like, "You need to do a press release and all this other stuff." So I had to think of something to describe myself, mm-hmm. and in that press release, I put like, "I'm Quan MC, New Age Music, Carefree wait, wait, Black Girl." Uh, hold on, just a quick uh, piggyback. Where are you from? I'm from Savannah, Georgia. Um, I went to college in Atlanta, Clark Atlanta, and then I moved here, and, and yeah, to pursue music. Hey. Pretty much. Like, I just knew I wanted to do music. I knew I didn't want to stay in my home state. Um, it was either Cali or New York. Mm, my sure. mom said, you need to go to New York because that's just where it's at. You're going to learn so much out there. And I was like, you know what? All right, I'm going to New York. So, yeah, I'm here. And so I had to basically, like, figure it out. And I did the whole describing myself. I was hashtagging it on SoundCloud. Then I was, like, on Twitter. And I just... You know, didn't really focus on it. I just was do like care. I'm a carefree black girl here and there. And then I started looking around. And I saw that it had blown up. Mm. I saw that like you know um, some other girls had got credited for starting it on Twitter. Um, I messaged her just recently, and she was like, "Yeah, you know, I know I'm not the one of the creators, but I'm one of the first people who was credited for starting the hashtag." Mm. And she's a writer for like some. She's a writer for Huffington Post. She's dope. You guys should look her up. Her name yeah. is Zeba. And shout out her. basically, shout out to her, yeah. And she just was like, you know, I'll change it. And I was like, well, you know what? The universe sends one idea out to a lot of people, so mm-hmm, you just have to mm-hmm, act on it. Mm-hmm. And even before I'd spoken to her, I had already um, decided to file for the trademark for Carefree Black Girl and turn it into a limited liability company Yeah, 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 um, yeah. to make it a lifestyle brand mm-hmm. that focuses in on women empowerment, art and culture, and, of course, music and entrepreneurship. So, yeah. <laughs> That's fire. That's fire. So... so that's yeah that's how it became and you know we were talking early this year and that's the podcast came about so, so it's like uh yeah so basically so basically like this and this is like when i when i yeah. want i want to highlight to like entrepreneurs right 
So you took your LLC, whatever. You got your LLC. You got your LLC, mm-hmm. and most people are very proud of like getting getting that. But then you took that to the next level. You said, okay, well now that I have my LLC, now let me start like building out my my company yeah. itself, or whatever. So I feel like when you like when you came to me about about a starting carefree black girl, like it came to me as like a perspective of okay, well look, this is the company wanting to produce something, yeah, um, that represents their brand. Right. You became a me- you, like you now have a media arm for carefree black girl. Right. Like I feel like that's really dope. Well, for me, I want to use the company like it, it's a movement for mm-hmm, me. Like mm-hmm. it started out as a movement. I'm one. Of, I always tell people I'm one of the first to start it. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? I built Carefree Black Girl LLC off of the hashtag Carefree Black Girl mm-hmm. because she, you know, it's other people that had this idea who were mm-hmm. thinking of themselves as something to describe themselves. They're a bad bitch. You had the third eyes. You have all these people. But where where did the other girls lie? Yeah, where did yeah. the girls that were like Khalees? Where was Whitney Houston before she got on drugs? Where mm-hmm. was that personality? Where does mm-hmm. she fit in all this? Yeah, yeah. So I think that's what the movement came from. And not necessarily people who don't want to be like identified as somebody ooh, who have a lot of worries because we do we just know that it's so many other steps that come after like worrying about shit like you're going to yeah, dwell yeah. on the problem all day or we're mm. going to move forward mm-hmm. and so for me i felt like it wasn't just me so starting this company i wanted it to be like a platform that other people can come with me and you know be a part of my movement and it helps their movement get bigger because yeah. carefree black girl has like a life of its own that's od fire and i think it's needed Especially in the climate of the world today, and who is our president, and yeah, all the other definitely. bullshit that's happening. So, um, I feel like platforms like this are always needed because, again, the children are the future. But also, I feel like a lot of things uh, usually don't highlight like girls mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. as much. Like we do have like certain things like um, Black Girls Rock and like the other random other things that we have yeah. like that would highlight girls. But I mean, like. When it comes to like people of color, like things like this is definitely needed, like within the community and within and to, I, like pushing. It's crazy because I'll tell you uh, <laughs> something that actually made me want to make Carefree Black Girl Company. Mm-hmm. Um, so last year we did the Carefree Black Girl uh, picnic, mm. and we had it planned out. Me and this uh, these girls from Girl Mob, this girl D, she's a photographer, she's a dope photographer. So it was like two weeks before this event called Curl Fest. So we were like putting out the flyer or whatever, and she used a picture. And long story short, come to find out the picture she used was from Curl Fest the following year. Yeah. I mean, the year before. Mm-hmm. So we dropped this picture. It gets like 20 retweets. People from all L.A., all these places like, bring this, pi- bring the picnic here. Do this here. People, Atlanta. And then like the day of the event, Curl Fest hits me up. They send me, they send me a cease and desist. This mm-hmm. is you guys are promoting an event using my picture and you need to move where you're at. They were saying stuff like we saw that you guys are selling um, edibles. I hope you have a requisition for the park. And so they really like came at me. So I had yeah. to move my location. I had over like 200 RCPs. It was just crazy. It was just like the That's power insane. of a word, like carefree black girl. It just went crazy. I put up an RCP at nine o'clock. On Wednesday, by 12 a.m., I had 100 RSVP, so I had to open mm-hmm. it up again. Yeah. Because the event was on that Thursday. We were trying to get an idea of the food count. Mm-hmm. So they're telling me they're sending the cops and everything. You know, I'm, you know, I hope the cops aren't listening to this, but <laughs> everything I do is 420 friendly. I'm all about the THC lifestyle. I believe yeah. that hemp is here for us to, you know, it heal right. us. It's, and medicine. For us it's, to, it's medicine, it's herb. So they were talking about all this. So we, 
moved our event from one location to the next. Still did good numbers. But then, you know, I forgot about it. Wasn't even thinking about the flyer. Um, me and Girl Mob, we had, we, we had like a misunderstanding. But we since then, we've hashed it out. And long story short, they still hit me up. And they, like, tried to bash me on Twitter. Yeah. And the whole, like, for me... I was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe these are grown. Like, when I started looking, it was, like, older women who basically had, like, a business plan. Mm -hmm. And they knew it was coming. And they decided to go to higher-ups and get backing. And me being a kid and getting all, like, not even a kid, like a young adult, and getting all this attention off of nothing. Mm -hmm. Because keep in mind, like, I didn't know. I started doing research. I realized that their event had 50 people the year before last. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so for me to have pick up that steam, it was like, oh my gosh, she's direct competition. She's still an idea. When all we really, the flyer thing was a big mistake, but even the girl who took the picture, I don't think she was thinking of it even that deep. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think she would think that somebody who has BT and all these people, we worry about a little gathering. Yeah, yeah. And for, because of that, it made, it opened my eyes to like the power and influence that a group of people who have, especially women. And because (laughs) of the backlash I got from the other women, it just made me think of things differently. I I felt like, you know, everybody's not going to be in your corner. You just got to just move. move. (laughs) As a young entrepreneur, to experience social backlash from people like all over, how do you like, how do you, what did you learn from that? But how did you uh, feel as that was happening like live? Um, well, when it first happened on Twitter, I was just like, you know, saying like, I didn't make this mistake at the time. I was like, I didn't make the mistake. This girl made the mistake, blah, 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 blah. Y'all coming at me. But at the end of the day, I'm not taking it down because if it was nobody there, y'all wouldn't have cared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I had to like take a step back and realize like, oh my God, they're intimidated by me. And then it, when it turned into something else, because they did this at like the midnight or something, like something or late at night. And then the next morning when my people woke up. They was going at them. And it yeah. was just like, wait, hold up. They like, I'm like, thing. now the attention's on me. So mm-hmm. everybody's like trying to see why is, is this big company, this big event, festival. It mm-hmm. was like thousands of women out there worried about this girl having a picnic. Yeah, and so it it kind of worked in my favor. Mm-hmm. And I just wish, you know, I learned from that. Like, definitely hold my tongue sometimes. But mm-hmm. in certain situations, they work. It's interesting. I, I, and people still, you know, have back, say stuff about the carefree black girl movement all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I search the hashtag and I'll like try to retweet all the girls who use the hashtag just to keep it moving to like yeah. just empower people Real. because you never know what somebody's going through and if they identify with something. Just like the feminist movement, how everybody's like, oh, that's for us, but it's really not. You know what I mean? And if it's something that I feel like women of color can identify with, it can like use to help them get through their daily struggles mm-hmm. i'm all for it and i'm definitely going to push that and yeah it's becoming something else it's bigger than me you know it's yeah. it's way bigger than me we got a lot coming up in this new year <laughs> nice what Back. do you what what would you say made you into like a carefree black girl the carefree black girl we see today um i would say just going through a lot at a young age Mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I'm the oldest of four. My mom had me when she was 16. By 22, she had four kids and I was Mm -hmm. the oldest of these four. And like my dad, he went to prison when I was two. So he was like 18, Mm -hmm. like 20 or whatever. So I, 
I just really always had like the arts for me. Mm-hmm. It was like even when I lived in the projects, there were like mentors who would like come and get the kids and take them to do other things like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do cheerleading or play basketball and play instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in elementary school, my professors like, you know, the people in the South, it's not that big. So like for the most part, the teachers, they know, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. What's going on? Like they they have idea. And I felt like my I had music professors who actually always tried to like do extra things for me. Like my music professor, she made me write, I mean, she made me write the fifth grade school song and everybody hated me for it. Like wow. people did not, <laughs> she, like, so when you're in elementary school, I don't know if they do that up here, but in the South, basically when you're in music class, you get to choose your first instrument. I didn't even have a music class. So we have a music grade. class in the South. Well, Savannah, we did, we get to choose our first instrument. So for me, I chose the clarinet, but I also know how to play the piano. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. but I liked poetry. So I was just a writer. Yeah. My life was kind of weird. I'm not going to, to go all day but i had a lot going on growing mm-hmm. up but and that's dope though it, i it adds was very expressive and because of that i feel like my teachers that were around me they tried to like harness that mm-hmm. and music was one of those things fifth right. grade i wrote the school song everybody was mad at me mm-hmm. people was like oh, we don't want to sing this shit why can't we sing whitney houston uh, <laughs> <laughs> i was so i was under so much pressure like i was sweating at graduation like oh my god everybody got to sing this and people sang it and it worked and i from there i felt like all the time people were saying this is what you should do you should focus on what you love but as i got older and my conditioning mm-hmm. and just being the oldest and wanting to do better for my family i always told myself you know what? i'm gonna be a writer or a lawyer because yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. i'm good at i'm gonna focus on these things yeah whole time i was still playing basketball still in marching band i would continue marching band up until graduating college like mm-hmm. i was in marching band and shit and and what college you went to? Clark Atlanta University. Clark Atlanta University. And shout out Clark Atlanta. Shout out Clark Atlanta. <laughs> but when I was in college, I had a period of just being lost. You know what I mean? I went to college um, a Christian, mm-hmm. and I was really into the church. Yeah. Um, when I was 11, I witnessed my best friend getting hit by a car, and she died. Wow. And from that point, I was just, like, really into, like, religion. I always, like, was trying to, like, learn and write and read. And then when I got to college, I became an English major, and I started learning so much about other religions. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, like, fucked up my thought process. Like, really, not even my, like, it just... It opened me up to so much knowledge that I was just like, um, I don't want to know no more. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm just going to deny just everything. And that time in my life, I felt like I was just, like, in turmoil, yeah. you know? I identified with the Rastas. Uh-huh. And I realized that they don't fuck with gay people like that, mm-hmm. homosexuals. And then you realize that Judaism is what Jesus really said on the mouth to the T. Mm-hmm. But it's like the Jews, they don't really fuck with nobody but themselves this is like a whole bunch of you know so it was a point of me identifying like what i believed in and i became more spiritual Mm -hmm, and as i became mm -hmm. more spiritual and being in college i realized like my nigga you in college to be a lawyer and you still in marching band you really probably would have been dropped out if you wasn't in marching band yeah yeah yeah. look i was fucking on my way to my lsat getting arrested because i got weed in the car all type of shit and then one day I just woke up and I just broke. Like, I fucking shaved my head. I was like, I'm not going to law school. I'm graduating. I'm finished. I'm done. I'm doing what I love. Mm-hmm. And from that point, I was like, I don't care. 
whatever yeah. I do, it has to please me. It has even if I'm making less than my peers, at least I'm doing what makes me happy. Yeah. Um, job offers, it's done. I'm not going taking no job offers. I had anywhere between probably like forty. I had one for like sixty to probably mm. like teach in Atlanta yeah. and it was gonna help me get my master's mm-hmm. none of that I'm gonna do exactly what I love I'm moving somewhere else yeah. and that's for me when I started to identify with carefree black girl it's just that dope. freedom to just be you know what I mean that's and dope. not care and it's like everybody's saying oh this is where you come from and what you should do but it's just like you know what I know what I'm gonna do and I'm gonna go with that that's fine <laughs> that's, real. that's fucking that's real. fine yeah. so Sorry, guys, if somebody's listening, like, that's a long ass story, but yeah, that's, that's basically fine. What it is. Nah, nah, yo, yo, life is about experiences, and experiences are nothing but long stories. I fuck with that shit, OD, son. That was fire. That was fire. All right, well, yo, now I got some like random ass questions, whatever, because I be, I be around Quan all the time anyway, so I just be, I just be like wondering shit, and it's a perfect time to ask them. Being that you live in New York now for five years, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know people who live in New York who just like have like just regular jobs? Yeah, I know a lot of people who have regular jobs. I've um I work regular jobs, you mm-hmm. know. So so being that being that you have friends like that, whatever, and living in, in New York for five years now, like what do you think about New York versus like Savannah? Like what's the what's the day to day lifestyle of people who just who are not creatives? Um <laughs> Savannah. So people who aren't creatives are like wives at by the age of like twenty two, twenty three. Mm-hmm. They have like their house they have their car probably their first baby in new york you could be a 20 something and just work and like like to just go to the club and be social yeah and that's just just like a different dynamic it's way more upbeat it's more things to do it doesn't really weigh you down as quick in your life as other places and that's why i could respect new york always Mm. because of that i tell my mom like like mom you're in your 40s you should move to new york she's like well i'm not gonna move to new york i'm like you like the 40 somethings here the 30 Mm, 40 somethings the people who know what they want to do who are like content who are like they got a schedule they're focused they have very thriving lives great social calendars Mm -hmm. they're around the people they want to be around when they go out they go out and that's a good dynamic to have. It keeps you alive. Um, yeah, absolutely. Can it run you in the ground? Yes. yes but if yeah. you don't let it, it won't. Also, you know so what I mean? You drink your water. Everything in moderation. Everything Every- in moderation. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, yeah, because there's so many. Most people my age are married. They have a kid or two. They're, it, they're doing what they're going to pretty much do for the next 10 years. And I see a lot of different people from Savannah. They're starting to break out and be more artistic and creative. Mm -hmm. But New York is so rare. Like, it's not like this everywhere. Like, every creative in New York could literally pick a small city in America and go and, like, just thrive. Yes. If they really wanted to. And this is why, and I try to catch myself sometimes because I see myself getting that uh, whatever, like, that unimpressed thing that Mm y'all talk about. And I, because I see myself because of how I've been treated. Yeah. But then I realized, like, why I came here. Because I know, like, there's enough mm-hmm. here to give mm-hmm. everywhere. Because everywhere is not like this. It's basically, like, just a gym. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Yep. Like, I met, I met, um, so I interviewed Caddy Chase. I also, also have a po- another podcast, Encore Radio Show. I interviewed Caddy Chase. He lives in Las Vegas. Caddy mm-hmm. Chase is a rapper. Um, he can shoot his visuals. He can edit. He can um, produce his own songs, whatever. Make own beats. All that other shit, right? I know like five people in New York that can do that right now, and I don't know everybody in New York. He said that there's only two people like him in Vegas. I was like, "What? Right. There are only two people like him in Vegas." 
people nigga, niggas in New York would eat everywhere else. And that's kind of like why I, when I see New York or whatever, like I I love New York a lot, right? That's why my always, hardest part about New York is the ego why, and the mentality. Yeah, but that's why I always say that like out of towners really look at New York people like goddamn, you could do all of that like how like that's why like when if we leave New York to go get a job, like we'll get paid more than people from that actual yep. town. Yep. Because yep. they're like, "Oh, you're from New York. You have that experience. You've been around all different types of people. You don't take nonsense. Like you fucking know how to get your job done. Mm-hmm. You can power ahead through anything. Like they just already just think all these things about you because you're from New- you're from a big city. Yeah. Like you're yep. used to being around a lot of people, being busy. Like this is a small town. It's, we move yeah. mad slow. Fast pace. Fast pace environment. Like they're gonna just they're just gonna think those things. Like usually sometimes. I mean, if your resume does add up and then they see you're from New York, that's always a plus. So mm-hmm. it's just Yeah, like, I think that when once you have New York, like if you make it here, you can make it anywhere. And if you just yeah. make it to live here. I'm at my five-year mark and people are like, five years? Oh, my God, you're almost a New Yorker. I'm so Savannah. And like everybody knows I'm from <laughs> the South once they see me. But like I love the fact that I've been able to come here and just like be a part of the environment. So, and I feel like it can be tough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if it was if it was if it wasn't New York, like if you had to leave New York, say next year, where would you go, and why? I really want to do time out of the country. I want to like spend time in Europe. I want to see what London's like. But if I got if I had the money, I would definitely live in LA. But I don't want to be. I want to be set to the point in my career that I can go there and have fans and have shows. That I can come to a New York and like be at a pace where I'm going to be creating and I have to condition myself for that because I really do not want to be relaxed, like too relaxed. Yeah. I mean, like some people go out to LA and just get like so chill mm-hmm. and you have to keep that, you know, that momentum. You have to keep it moving. Yeah. yeah. It's all the legal weed, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It's like when I, I've gone to visit, it's like so many <laughs> so many like hippies or like slash homeless people and it's like yeah it's just a way of life you know that's like that's like i think i think that i think that for my 30th birthday i'm about to this There's is awesome man. yeah there. i think i think I for my 30th birthday i think middle, i'm gonna like, go, I wanna be right in the middle i think i'm gonna go to like cali and like tr- like i don't know like fucking road trip up to like fucking homeless. seattle Nah, no, I'm, I'm a road to trip up to Seattle or some shit. <laughs> go to be, Venice yeah. Beach and just stay out there. <laughs> nah, like three days. I want to see all kind of shit. Day, <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be for my birthday. I'm gonna go yeah. be homeless somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I'm just out here. <laughs> but yeah, Quana, shout out all your social media for everybody. Let them know Definitely. where they can find you and stuff. Yes, so um, Quana Q U A N N A M C on all social media. So that's Q U A N N A M C, and that's on Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud. You be, you be on Snapchat? You be on Snapchat? I don't really be on Snap no more. Oh, like yes. I just, it was just, mm, I couldn't get with it. Fair enough. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I'm usually on Twitter. I'm barely on anything. Like even on Instagram, I upload something mm-hmm. like like 50 pictures that day, and probably won't get back on it for like a week. <laughs> like 50 pictures. <laughs> like go through people's pictures, just be like, oh, I like it. I like it. Okay, whatever. Oh, very cute. And then just, yeah, I do. That. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna hold you. Instagram to me now feels like Facebook, where I just like it's it's a chore. Which which might that might even be the plug, honestly. You following like, the that wrong might be people, the my brother. I'll be on Instagram lurking. <laughs> <My face laughs> is weird. Everybody from my hometown looking at all the homie shit. 
Like I'll be checking kids are evil. He's up, he's right here. Checking checking his page out, looking at the cinematographies, and I'll also be looking at ass. So I gotta follow you then because I need more interesting things in my timeline. Oh man. I go to my Facebook. My Facebook's crazy. Like everybody from back home. My mom listening to this, don't judge me, mom. You know, know, yo, shout yo, shout out to Big Thurman, excuse my ad lib, um, a podcast that's based um, on the network that's based in Baltimore. They have a sec they have a segment on their show called Yams of the Week and they pull like Instagram <laughs> shakes. Yo, that should be lit. I'm not gonna hold you. Yo, I gotta I got like I gotta go visit. I gotta go visit. That should be lit. I need <laughs> You're a booty man? Yeah, I'm I'm a very big booty man. Yeah, it's all about the booty. I gotta work I on love my toy. Booty. <laughs> Booty's lit. Oh man. Well, folks, uh, yeah, this is the PLC Report. Hashtag PLC Report. Hold on, I'm sorry. I'm about to cut you off. We're going to go back to booty real quick. It's very important. But it's not about the size of the booty. It's about how soft it is. That's that Oh, my God. Continue. I'm sorry. Yo, listen. Actually, nah, I'll tell you it's off. Yeah, How do you judge? You so you have to feel it. It's softness. It? Yes, of course. Oh my god! Yeah, sometimes you can tell by looking I at it. I want to let you feel my booty I, just to <laughs> see how it ranks with all the ones you felt before. Hey man, we might have to cut this out. <laughs> it's the P- hey, it's look. the PLC report. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram. We're not even on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter, the PLC report. Yo, follow the Indie Creative Network um, at Indie Creative NW. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We Facts. do have a Snapchat. We don't be snapping Facts. like that. We don't though. snap like we that. We be out here though. I this snap on my watch. shit though. You can follow me. I'm yeah. cool underscore the number one letter and the letter E. I know y'all <laughs> hear me say this shit in mad long because I tried to change it to the Colton show, but they wasn't letting me do it. So Damn. whatever. Damn. Damn. Well, yeah, just follow me. Social media, everything at the real wise W I Z E. Don't call me Wiz. I might have to slap you. The real uh, Wiz. <laughs> <laughs> it's a PLC report. We out. This is an Indie Creator Network podcast. I did it.